When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott Benjamin, the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, Scott, and hey, listeners. My name is Ben Bolin. I write some videos here at the same website. I know you. I, you know, I had this weird feeling we had met before. Yeah, yeah. many, many times. 130, maybe? Something like that? Oh, that's right. Somewhere near there. We've been going. We've been keep keeping on. It's been a long time. We've kept keeping yeah. on. Yep. Well, today we got another topic to talk about. Imagine we still come up with these. But uh, we've got one about armored cars. Actually, armored cars and armored trucks. Mm. Because um, I've got some good armored truck info, and mm. I think you have some... Armored car info, right? Yeah, I got, I, I've got a little bit. I don't want to play my hand too too early, <laughs> but uh, just want to let everybody know uh, the I'm sure the tens of thousands of people tuned in because they want to hear about armored helicopters. Did you say tens of people listen to? This? I said tens of thousands. Did I say tens of thousands? Oh, or did I, I just say tens. I, I didn't know. I thought it was tens. Oh, you saying tens of thousands? Oh no, no. My my Holy mom cameras. downloads multiple times. Gonna start sweating. So it looks like there are more. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. My mom probably uh, oh, doesn't boy. know. No, not more than a thousand. But we're not talking about armored helicopters. We are talking about pretty much armored everything else. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So armored cars, armored trucks, and mm-hmm. uh, I got a little uh, something I've got to say about armored trucks. All right, lay it I on just, me. I, I have to tell you this because it's it's an awkward thing with me because for whatever reason, I always find like I'm I'm really nervous around armored trucks. I am all the time, and it's a, just kind of a weird paranoia type thing. Mm-hmm. I, I swear to you, if I'm following one in traffic and I have to turn into the same plaza that they're turning into, yeah, I feel like even if I'm going the same place that they're going, I have to go to the next turn and make the turn. I, I'm not going to follow it in, and I don't know. You know, I know why because I know someone's in there watching what's going on at sure. all times. Yeah, they've got those little gun sites that you know they can mm-hmm. stick the guns out of. Not that you know they're going to immediately do that for any reason, mm-hmm. but I feel like I just don't want to draw any attention to myself when I'm anywhere near an armored vehicle. And if I park and they're and they've got the <laughs> wow. the I know it's strange, isn't it? But if they <laughs> if they park, you know, they park in front of the business. Yeah. They've got the doors open in the back mm-hmm. and they've got someone running money in and out, you know, and the then arm, another guy keeping watch, yeah. Yeah, another guy's there. I don't want to go anywhere near that truck 
during any point of that loading or unloading of the of the truck. I just want to stay away because not I mean not I just don't want anything that I do to be misconstrued as as being in any, in any way right. um you know threatening ag- aggressive in any way. Yeah. I don't want I mean <laughs> even if I'm just walking into the store and I've got a bag in my hand or something I don't want I don't want them to think anything of that. And I also am kind of worried about like just anything happening around there while I'm there. Right. Um maybe right. you know not necessarily me of course but I mean what if you're a bystander? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. An innocent bystander. You hear well, about those I all the time. Well, I just said bystander, but you know, what if you're standing <laughs> by? Is what yeah. I'm saying. No, yeah. I'm kidding. That is interesting. No, I, I, you don't have the same thing. You don't. Uh, I I can't follow those things. I gotta I gotta get away. I think maybe you know I could see what you're saying if you're following behind an armored car for a long time mm-hmm. and then you get off the same exit on the interstate, yep. same side street, same plaza, it's and happened. then you follow them into the bank. Yeah, that's a little weird. Yeah. Um, I probably subconsciously avoid that, and I bet a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess for me, it's a curiosity thing. You know, I, I really want to know what it looks like inside there, mm-hmm. and I kind of wish I was nine years old again, so that they wouldn't, you know, immediately assume I was trying to rob them. Also, if you walked up to it and said, "Hey, Mister, you mind if I look around in here?" Mm-hmm. Which I've tried you. before yeah. when I was in my when I was like twenty three. Doesn't uh, work. Didn't work. Huh? Doesn't work. I yeah, think they thought I was on drugs. That we got that scar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sense. actually it's uh, the guy's class ring. You can read the imprint. <laughs> no, I mean yeah. we're we're kidding. Yeah. But so yeah, armored armored vehicles. You definitely notice them when you see them, mm-hmm. depending on what type they are. Ah, uh, yeah. And and when so Scott, I guess for everybody, we want to say our definition of an armored vehicle is pretty basic: a self-propelled motor vehicle enclosed by armor plating to protect occupants against attack. Okay. Sound good? Sounds good. So, That's for armored cars, armored uh, personal transport, right? Right. Okay. Right. And, and when I'm talking yeah. about armored trucks, I'm yes. talking about a secure way to move valuables from one place to another. Mm-hmm. Um, usually it's two guards, and well, we can get into the details of that stuff later, but okay. um, um, usually it's just a way to move valuables from one place to another and, mm-hmm. uh, and keep them secure along that route. Mm-hmm. And also, armored vehicles go back pretty far in history, too. Yeah, they do. They go way back. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, they not as far back as you might think, though. Um, you think they go, would go further back, but they've got a couple... There's a couple of early methods that they used, and I've got a lot of this from... Uh, um, there's an armored car website. There's a Brinks website. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of places I gathered information from here. But Brinks uh, seems to be... You know, the Brinks um, right. armored trucks yep. that you see around town. Those are the ones that... Um, I got a lot of information from them. So some of this is a mix of info from them. Um, early methods that uh, that they used to carry valuables. Instead of, you know, they, of course, they didn't have it. They were, you know, horseback and mm-hmm. courier, um, even bicycles. Um, they often just tried to look like ordinary people. They would just carry it in luggage. Um, you know, if they're carrying, mm-hmm. you know, wads of cash or, or valuables like, uh, like gold and diamonds and things like that, right. they'd try to disguise the courier like a traveler. And let them just, uh, they were hiding in plain sight is what they were doing. So that, uh, you know, it was nothing out of the ordinary. Um, Which can work. It, that can work. It truly can work, yeah. I mean, it's 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 proven to work. You know, it, it did work for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, just look like everybody else and you won't be bothered. Um, the other way is a show of force, like an overtly dramatic show of force that, you know, hey, there's like one guy in the center there and he's clutching a, a metal box and then everybody around him is facing away from him with a gun. And that sort of um, foul mix. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, that's so. There's like this overly emphasized show of force that you know you don't want to be anywhere near this mm-hmm. guy. You don't want to attempt anything. You'd have to outgun everybody there. 
Uh, that's the only way that you could over, overtake those people. Um, so really the, the deceit method, which was, you know, the, the uh, disguising yourself, and then the show of force is really the two methods that they used up until the point where they had armored vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, armored vehicles are kind of a show of force. They, they, they truly are, even now. Yeah, um, you still definitely. get that visual impact of, a, of an armored truck uh, coming at you that you know you know that there are armed guards inside uh, you don't know how many you don't know what they're carrying you don't know any of that but you know that that's a sturdy built vehicle and that um, mm. there's really no way you're getting inside and they look thing. intimidating the way that they're built yeah. and in case the visual thing doesn't really impact you mm-hmm. they actually have armored car on the side yeah, exactly. or armored transport or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. And you know they're tracked, they're GPS tracked, so they know yeah. exactly where they are at all times. And, mm-hmm. you know, when they get to certain locations, they check in. And um, it's got fail-safes within within the the, uh, the vehicle itself mm-hmm. uh, so that, you know, the, the, even the guards themselves at a certain point are no longer able to retrieve the goods that are in there. They have to wait until they get back to the, uh, the home base. Mm-hmm. Um, and they monitor of, each other. Exactly, yeah. And there's a lot of, I mean, just secretive stuff that we we don't even know because they're not going to tell us of course you know you're mm-hmm. not going to you're not going to find that stuff out but um very distinct roles as well you know they protect each other like you said mm-hmm. um you know that there are gun turrets in the vehicle um i should say gun sights in the vehicle that they can poke a gun out of to protect the vehicle uh, if necessary uh, the, the driver always stays in the vehicle does not come out i'd never noticed that before driver always stays in the cab yeah. Um, and he's the one who's also in control of opening and closing the back door. Because they're usually making more than one stop, right? Yes. Yep. And then there's a second person in the back, if not more in the back, uh, or more in the front, for mm-hmm. that matter. But there's always a driver. There's always someone in the back that they call a hopper. And mm-hmm. the hopper is the one who gets out and unloads and loads the vehicle. But he can't open or close the doors himself. He has to rely on the driver. So the driver has to survey the situation, make sure that everything's okay before he electronically opens the door or closes it. Um, so once once the hopper's inside, he's he's in there for good. Um, so it's a very very secure vehicle, really. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing that anybody ever is able to rob a an armed vehicle, armored vehicle. But they do. But they do. Yeah, it mm-hmm. happens. And um, you know, back a long time ago, they used stagecoaches. Um, you know, after the methods that we talked about, you know, they had stagecoaches that were, of course, traveling across you know the the bumpy roads and the yeah you know, the the western side of the country and. Um, they uh, they would have strong boxes or metal boxes or even sometimes wood that were just locked, mm-hmm. uh, but they would have guards that would ride along with them uh, to protect them. So they, these guards, you know, then um, were were just in charge of pretty much just being you know the the tough guys looking out for anything coming up ahead that might be danger. You know, a road washed out, mm-hmm. alternate routes that they need to take. You know, if if the road is washed away or if someone you know presents a roadblock in some way, they had to deal with a lot of things because stagecoach robberies were uh, were the big thing at one time. Um, the the big thing. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. That was the, uh, the the big the big theft because a lot of money was being transported on stagecoaches oh, yeah. in these strong boxes, mm-hmm. and the thieves knew about it. Of course, these always are seem to be one step ahead. And plus, stagecoaches travel by established routes. So. Yeah, exactly. And at times, at specific times, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so they knew when they're coming. They knew what to watch for. And if they got you know the the word on what's going to be on that stagecoach at a certain time, you know, they could run decoys, of course. Um, but you know, if they knew what was there, they they might go for it. And it's crazy that we've seen a lot of the technology evolving for armored vehicles, mm-hmm. whether they're in because it sounds like right now we're talking about. I, I would divide this into three three main branches of armored vehicles. We've got protection of commercial assets mm-hmm. 
And then we've also, which would be our Brinks trucks and stuff. Yep. And then we've got protections of VIPs, like we did our earlier podcast, for anyone who hasn't checked it out yet, uh, about the presidential limousine. Yeah, exactly. And then we have our third one, which is the protection of, oh, which is for military purposes. Mm-hmm. Correct. And um, what we see a lot of times, the evolution of technology in these vehicles has become more and more about organization and coordination and information Mm -hmm. because you can you know whether we're talking to brinks truck or the presidential limo or uh m1 abrams or something you know at some point there's only so much armor you can put on something yeah exactly you can make them extremely solid and make them extremely capable and to withstand anything but if you don't have a plan you Mm -hmm. you don't really have a way to get away um you could be trapped in your your armored vehicle for all you know for you know the, the point where you have to get out, yeah. The, the air runs out, or you know, the filtration system doesn't work anymore, mm-hmm. um, or, or the tread or the tire. Yeah, somehow. something like something like yeah. that happens. And if you're stuck in a bad situation, you need to be able to. The, the best plan is to get away, really, mm-hmm. and that's the uh, the goal is to arm this thing enough that you know it's able to get out of the situation that it's in, mm-hmm. um, while the people are able to get out of the situation that they're in, um, and that of course requires a plan. So planning is a huge part of. Um, anybody that's in charge of valuables and materials like this, whether it's a person, a thing, um, or you know, military crews just trying to get to you know where they need to be, mm-hmm. um, very dangerous situations. So, um, and a lot of this stuff comes from the military. Um, yes, there's yeah. a lot of military background in the civilian vehicles, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, things are tried out there and tested, field tested, really. And it turns out a lot of the um, well, the first Brinks vehicles were kind of developed after World War One, based on what they learned uh, during the war. Really? Yeah, they were built on um, the the original Brinks armored armored car company. Built, um, I should say, the original Brinks armored car vehicles were built on um, school buses that they armed. Uh, that they they you know um, reinforced with steel panels. Yeah. Uh, they put bars over the windows. Um, so this is the 1920s, but they they used what they had learned during World War One. Mm-hmm. to outfit these school buses with uh, with uh, security devices. And so they still had flaws, though, because these vehicles, you know, they're built on, you know, like the Model T, Model A vehicles, you know, right. that era. Yeah. They had wooden floors. Oh. So, the you know, the, the sides and top of this thing are strong, and the windows are strong, you know, the, mm-hmm. at least the bars behind the windows. Um, but they had these wooden floors. So in 1927, there was an armored truck that was uh, robbed of $100,000 in payroll money. Uh, because the thieves were, I guess, I want to say thoughtful, but I guess they were thinking enough that they were... Um, they went through the floor. They went through the floor. They buried the oh. explosives in the ground, blew out the the, uh, the floorboards of the vehicle, and were able to mm-hmm. attack them that way. Um, so they went to its one weak point, and that's what criminals will do. They'll find the weak point mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, capitalize on that. We still see that in, in some places in uh, war zones today. You know, one of the reasons that older technology like mines or what they call uh, IEDs, improvised explosive devices, Mm -hmm. one of the reasons those things are so popular um, among people who are trying to, uh, I guess, penetrate armored defenses, uh, it's because oftentimes, even today, uh, there are logistical difficulties with adequately uh, protecting the, the underside of the vehicle. Sure, yeah. If you if you totally encapsulate it, it's, uh, it's difficult for maintenance, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean... It's heavier. It is. It's a lot heavier. Um, mm-hmm. So they try to minimize the amount of steel that they have to put on there. But there's a balancing game. You want them to be safe, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have to 
be wary of that because then you completely take away the performance of the vehicle, which means that you might not be able to um, escape at the speed you might need to be able to escape. Right. It's still um, a vehicle. It's supposed to move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it has to move. And, and that's the thing is if you start adding steel plating to your vehicle, mm-hmm. be surprised how quickly that vehicle you know, will go nowhere. Remember um, before we went on the air when you asked me about armoring the Monte Carlo? Yes. It really, it, it really bugged me because you know I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff, man. Yeah. I've been I've been thinking about how I could do it, and I know there's some companies that uh, will perform those kind of those kind of services. Sure. You've you been know. looking into that stuff a little bit, right? I mean, you've been I've been for, checking around. Well, what, what do you think? What can they do for you? Um, well, I I don't have the research for this podcast, but I know they can modify your vehicle you know they can replace the tires and it's a silk purse sousier kind of situation man there's only so much they can do with with a given car you know sure like you can't make the top of a corvette of a convertible rather you can't make that secure but uh i just want to i just want to let you know i'm I'm not going to do it. Okay. I, I promise. I, did you see the struggle? <laughs> yeah, I see it. I see it. You're uh, you're you're tempted, but oh, I mean, I've got a, I've got a list of things that they do to vehicles when they uh, when they do armor them. Okay. That, unless that uh, kills. No, your, no, your... no. I've I've I'm made my mind up. Are you sure? I've got a because there's some will. cool stuff on this list. I want to hear it. All right, I'll just run quickly through it, and we don't need to really talk about it too much. But they, they'll do uh, they'll do brake upgrades so that your lines are protected from uh, from any kind of bullet strike or um, and also the the hardware itself mm-hmm. um, electronic protection and all this really when i say this you know protection firewall protection etc this really just means adding steel plating around something so electronic protection that's that's using um, steel plates to you know welded steel plates to enclose the um the computer the, system yeah the computer system of the car the uh, it's basically the making a strong box engine control module yeah exactly you're making a strong box around whatever component that i'm talking about here uh like the battery mm. yeah, they do that for the battery too uh they'll do firewall protection where they just they make it out of steel um there's floor blast protection which we just talked about yeah. uh very critical um they'll give you replacement door hinges which are of course Heavy duty, made out of the same material, so they can't just shoot them off because apparently that's a weak point in the car as well. Um, they do full door overlaps, which I thought was kind of cool. What's that? So when you open the door, it, this is a little bit tough to explain, but when you open it, it looks the same from the outside. Mm-hmm. When you open the door, you know the seal that you see inside. Yes. Imagine two or three inches inside of that um, to be lessened, like the window area would be lessened by that amount, by that amount all the way around. And what that does is it gives you a a layer of protection that's on the inside of the vehicle. It looks like a seam on the outside of the vehicle. Like it'd be a, a, a a point where they could penetrate, I guess, with a bullet. Okay. Um, but it is protected for, uh, for you. You're protected inside because of this, uh, this overlay. Hmm. Um, so it makes sense. Uh, of course they have run flat tires, which have, um, hard plastic, um, wheel basically inside your wheel. And so it's not what you're thinking. It's not just a hard, you know, hard sidewall or something like right. that. This is really heavy-duty stuff that they can drive several miles, no air pressure. And I know what you're thinking, you know, that they've had run-flat technology in cars for years. This is a lot more dramatic Reliable. than that. Uh, yeah, this is this is really heavy-duty stuff. I mean, it's not gonna it's not gonna break down on you. It's not gonna. They could. I'm not sure that they could shoot it or not, but um, mm. it, it can stand up to a lot of punishment. Um, not your typical run-flats. Um, there's also suspension upgrades because you're carrying a lot of extra, extra weight. Oh yeah. A ton of extra weight. That's a good point. Um, battery protection we talked about. Yeah. Fuel tank protection, which is critical. Um, just, there's all kinds of, and that's from the armor group. They can do all that for you. Um, they've got a, just a ton of things, you know, everywhere that your vehicle has a weakness or, um, you know, any kind of seam, any kind of mm. edge that they can get in, um, 
they've got it covered. But obviously, also bullet resistant glass. Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't even yeah. mention bullet resistance glass. Uh, resistant glass. Um, that's either several layers of glass, um, mm-hmm. automotive glass, on top of each other, but it's really heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very very thick. It's like you can see how heavily reinforced the uh, armored truck uh, glass. Yeah, is I mean, I, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm guessing mm-hmm. like three inches thick. Where you're talking about it's it's layer after layer of of automotive glass, or it could be um, a plastic, a ballistics plastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's you know bullet resistant, and then it's sandwiched with glass on either side. So again, very heavy, very thick, uh, but very very solid protection. So yeah, you know, the armored trucks are the same thing; they follow suit. Bro, I gotta come clean with you. I uh, I lied to you earlier mm-hmm. when I said that there were uh, three main interests for armored vehicles. Why do you do that to me? It makes me feel alive. Lie to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. Um, no. Uh, well. Where where do you want to go? Do you want to do tanks in a different episode? Yeah, let's do tanks yeah? in a different okay. episode because okay. we're, I think we'll keep military out of this for now. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's just we'll talk about armored cars, armored trucks, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll keep it at that for this one. But mm-hmm. I promise we'll get to tanks and you know the the uh, the military hardware stuff because yeah. that's important and that's where, like I said, a lot of this stuff comes from military mm-hmm. applications. It's, People uh, would be surprised exactly how much of our stuff comes from. I mean, from even the internet, how yeah. much of it comes from the military. But uh, okay, man, here's the surprise. When I earlier lied to you, which I do feel somewhat, you know, I won't say bad, but I shouldn't have done it. Um, do, you feel, do you feel justified in some way? Dude? I feel kind of, yeah. Oh. Yeah, because especially I feel like I've come clean with you, so we're good now, right? We're good. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. All right. So there are actually four purposes that I've found. There's protection of VIPs, protection of commercial interests, protection of military objectives, yeah. and then there's entirely scientific purposes. Scientific purposes. I'm talking about tornado intercept vehicles. Really? Yeah. Oh, no kidding. That so, makes sense. I didn't think of that. Right. So you know, you've seen about uh, you've seen stories about tornado chasers and yeah. stuff. Those guys conventionally, and we do have a great article about this on the site. Those guys conventionally get to you know they don't really go closer than a mile or so because mm-hmm. tornadoes are huge and oh, sure. very fast. Yeah, right? they're throwing cows and stuff around. Right. Enough, anything that I've learned in movies is right, true. Right, which is hilarious until yeah. you're the cow. And um, so there's this uh, IMAX cinematographer named Sean Casey, and he built a tornado intercept vehicle. So that this be- basically this vehicle is incredibly heavily armored. So because in this situation, weight is a heck of an asset, mm-hmm. you know. So the concerns we have about the limos or something for movie stars are yeah. out the window, man. Yep. And uh, out, you know, out of Kansas completely. So that's one really interesting use of armored vehicles. He's got this stuff layered on there so that he can actually get a look, a firsthand look at the interior of a tornado. And he also think about this because you know uh, wow. you're familiar with AV stuff. So he's yeah. taking an IMAX camera there. Oh my so gosh. he has a special armored tripod for the camera. Wow. And we can only assume that there are other there are other scientific pursuits that would require uh, armoring a vehicle. You know. Yeah, I mean, again, from the movies, I, I again, I know a lot about uh, um, tornadoes. Of course, I mean, you see people in bathtubs, right. uh, still taking a bath as they're floating around in there. You see people riding bikes with little dogs. In yeah, the bath and transported in the back. to magical worlds exactly. of wonder. Entire houses, mm-hmm. cows, like I mentioned. Yeah, and that movie but, Twister. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting stuff. That's really cool. No, I I hadn't thought about the uh, the tornado aspect of it because you know I mean you get a, a telephone pole thrown at your vehicle, you want something right, that's going to yeah. stop it. Uh, so that's that's a very good use. I'm glad you surprised me. 
Yeah, were you surprised? Did you already know about this one? It's okay that you lied to me. Oh, man. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like we've reached a good moment here, Scott. <laughs> a critical moment. Yeah. Do you want to yeah. move on? I think I do. Okay. So let's check out some listener mail. All right, Ben. I got listener mail today. So it looks like we've got um, a letter from someone named John. And I'm just going to say John's from the internet because oh, okay. he didn't tell us where he's from. So John's so from the internet. John is from the internet. But it basically it says this. Um, he's talking about the 3,000-mile oil change thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because um, we said, you know, he may be able to extend a little bit longer, look at your owner's manual. Mm-hmm. He said that uh, his mom had a 1970-something Mustang. He wasn't sure what year. Uh, I was leaking radiator fluid, and his dad just kept adding water. He forgot to add antifreeze. So um, one winter, you know what happened. It cracked the manifold, yeah. et cetera. So he got to see the inside of the engine and uh, <laughs> in a bad way because he had to. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that even though they kept up with the oil changes, which were recommended at 5,000 miles, it was all... Um, gooked up is what he says, mm-hmm. which um, I know what he's talking about. It's engine sludge. Like gunk o- and oil sludge. Yeah. yeah, it's just like a, a black uh, paste almost inside mm-hmm. the engine. And um, so from that point forward, they, they take all their cars in at 3,000 miles to get the oil changed, just because of what they saw there in that car. Um, and he says about synthetic oil, he uses fully synthetic in his Ranger. Um, does see a difference in gas mileage and acceleration due to the um, synthetics, which you will see apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and about 2000, he says a lot of makers use synthetic blend in cars, and that's what I get mine changed with, the synthetic blend. Oh, yeah? Um, yep, every time. It costs a little bit extra, but not quite as much as fully synthetic. Right, um, right. Um, that's why they say you can go between five and 7,500 miles. So um, I see the point here. That's it's. He's saying that, you know, even though they were changing it every five thousand, there's this uh, this condition, this uh, this sludging condition. Sometimes that's just inherently part of the engine design. Um, if it uh, if it, I guess, whips the uh, the oil up into a froth, it can become kind of a sludgy material that you know it's True. it's bad for yeah. it. Um, so th- there's engine design problems that cause that, and some cars are better known for having problems like that. It's not just um, you know going five thousand miles. It might be you can't go five thousand miles in that particular car with that particular engine in that particular year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm going to stick with my 5,000 mile, uh, mark on mine. Oh but yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it's to each his own really. I mean, go with the manufacturer recommendation. Don't overfill cause you'll get a, a, you know, froth situation like what he's mentioned here with the sludge and, sure. you know, all that that gathers. So, um, it's important just keep up with it and, you know, go with what the manufacturer says. Yeah. Well, Scott, you know, I respectfully differ with you on that just because I'm so paranoid mm-hmm. and I like my car so much. I yeah. probably change the oil more than I should. Mm-hmm. I, I probably change it around a little over 2,000 miles. Good. Good for you. Um, well, we'll see, you know. How good of a car owner am no, I? I, I, I still to, did get the gauge fixed, You know what? I used to way. do that. Oh, you didn't. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay. I used to, I used to do mine before 3,000 every time as well, yeah. and uh, I never, ever had a problem. I mean, I don't think you can – you can change it too early. I don't think unless you make a mistake mm-hmm. while you're changing it, you leave a plug out or something, you know, right. then, then you're in trouble. But um, I don't think there's any harm in having new fluids in your car at all times. I mean, it, it can only be good for it, really. I also do it myself. So oh. that, that's that's why. It, so it costs me a little less. Yeah, very good. But uh, all right. So thanks for writing into us, John and Scott. Thank you for uh, for giving me anytime for my earlier to see. Anytime. Yeah. I understand. Oh, thanks, Had to be man. done. Thanks, man. You had like, to be done. You know me so well. Yeah, it was it was a tough decision, but we made it. <laughs> and we're moving on. Uh, Scott and I are off into the wild world of all things automotive. If you guys would like to join us, feel free to do so via email. Let us know about uh, an idea you have for an upcoming episode or your thoughts on any of our high-speed stuff. 
and you can reach us at highspeedstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. And be sure to check out the High Speed Stuff blog on the howstuffworks.com homepage. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.